This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, it is officially NLL face-off weekend and every team is in action as the race for the NLL Cup begins. Jessica Berman, Deputy Commissioner of the NLL and EVP of Business Affairs, stops by. Plus, we have a massive segment in Boxback. All that more on OTCV. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Claire right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! in a long time this weekend and maybe we will get to hear John Dirtler called Dane Smith the Great Dane. It has been far too long. The world is healing. What is up everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud, the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your goods. My name is Teddy Jenner, joined always as by my main man Pat Gregoire. Pete Greggy, how are you? Teddy, I should be saying that I'm doing great and that lacrosse is here, but my world has been turned upside down. As you know, I'm 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 a huge Notre Dame fan, and when we're recording this on a uh, Tuesday night, last night I found out that Brian Kelly, out of nowhere, is on his way to LSU to coach the Tigers, and it's kind of come out of nowhere. And uh, like I said, to recording this Tuesday night. So when this drops, maybe we'll find out uh, who's going to be coaching the Fighting Irish. But I mean, they're a potential playoff team, right? I know they got to have a couple of wins uh, or a couple of losses uh, come their way. This is a team that, that is going to be playing in a good bowl at minimum, a New Year's Six. And B. Kelly takes the bag, which I, I totally get it, secures the bag, $100 million. I think it came out to, I think it was $95 million over 10 years. Uh, but he leaves a program that he absolutely did a fantastic job turning them into a, a power, um, you know, playoffs two times already, uh, could potentially be three of the last four years that they sneak in this year. And as you can tell in my voice, I still can't believe it. I wasn't the biggest Brian Kelly fan. There was things that would, you know, drive me nuts. But when you win, you can get over that stuff. But right. just the way he handled it, it, I still can't believe it. I'm in shambles, man. I'm in Is shambles. LSU that bad that they need Brian Kelly? They're, that's the thing. They won the national championship two seasons ago. And but that's Coach O's not there anymore, pro- right? Yeah, he got let go this year. He's yeah. finishing off the season. But that's the thing. 
LSU is a program where like, if you need to win, it's the sec, it's the sec West, like it's championship or bust. And obviously he knows that taking that job, but if he doesn't win a championship in the next three years, he's gone. He's not going to get that 10 year contract. Kelly. No, but they do kind of look a lot. And they're making drastic moves for no reason going for the big payday. Yeah. And I mean, that's just the, the, that's just the the way college football is right now. And, you yeah. know, it's it's especially with the playoff now. If you're not in that top four, if you're not winning national titles, then season's over. Season, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, uh, that's why I, I kind of like having... the wild cards in play this year in the National Lacrosse because it keeps more teams in. You know, absolutely, especially in the, absolutely especially in the East, especially in yes, the East. I mean, yeah. I'm speaking of fiascos. Um, I've heard that you have a little bit of a fiasco. Oh, God. You had a fiasco uh, this week. <laughs> no, it was last night. Uh. I'm house sitting for my brother who has been in Philadelphia visiting all three of their kids for us Thanksgiving. So I've been hanging out with their dog, Rocky, just kicking it um, over here. And the other night I ordered pizza from Domino's and I, I usually get the same thing. I get medium pizza, extra sauce, banana peppers, pepperoni, and then like chicken bites, or chicken wings, both come to like seven 99 each. It's a great deal. Um, no and it ass. showed up and it was the wrong pizza. No big deal, whatever. So, oh, sorry. Oh, even before that, the where I am, the Wi-Fi cash machine didn't work. The AT, the debit machine. Yeah. So I ended up calling into Domino's, giving them my number <laughs> oh my and saying, here, this is my, this is what happened. They're like, cool, no problem. We'll just take your credit card. Bing, bang, boom. No, no problem. The kid calls me from his car. Oh, when I got to my car, your debit went through. So now I just got charged oh. twice. <laughs> So he's like, I talked to my manager. They're going to cancel this one. You're all good. So then I realized that it's the wrong pizza. <laughs> so I called the manager and I said, hey, we just talked uh, for my credit card. Yep. Pizza you brought me is the wrong one. Oh, shit. Really? What were you supposed to get? Tell her. She's like, okay, I'll send a new one. I'll be there 20 minutes. 35 minutes later, the pizza shows up. And the kid comes up, knocks on the door, gives me the pizza, also gives me an extra box which was confusing, but it ended up being one of those little lava cakes. Oh, yeah, I know those guys. Sucked in a free dessert. Cool, no problem. But as I picked it from him, I was like, this doesn't feel right. Close the door. He gets in his car, drives away. I open it up. Shit you not, the wrong pizza again. (laughs) Not even close. The first one was pepperoni, Italian sausage, and chicken. This one was thin crust veggie, green pepper, cheese, and tomato. Oh, that's a brutal pie. (laughs) So I call back again and talk to the same manager. And I'm like, this is what happened. She's like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, nope, wrong pizza. Even got a free lava cake out of the deal. (laughs) She goes, "Uh, I will make you one right now. I said, it has been an hour and a half since I ordered my first one. I'm good. I'm just going to eat what I have here because it's been far too long and they're getting cold. She goes, I'll put two free pizzas on your account. (laughs) Okay. So... (laughs) Um, I had great wings and dips, but uh, my pizzas were crap. Yeah, that's so. a tough bounce. That's a tough bounce. Don't believe it. I, I like, mean, the, the first the, one. The, okay, I get it. You remake it and send it, and it's completely different. How does that even happen? Kid must have grabbed the wrong box. Is what I'm ah, guessing. Oh man, that's brutal. And I mean, if it was an okay pizza, you're it's like, all right, fine, I'll soak this one. But <laughs> flatbread veggie, no thank you. <laughs> 
Especially when you're craving pizza and like that's the the your go to and you know what you got. Let's be perfect. My last night at my brother's house, don't want to do dishes, getting pizza, I'll have leftovers. <laughs> no. Uh, if you got a crazy pizza story, I'm at Teddy Jenner. He's at P Greggy. And the show is at OTCB Cross, OTCB underscore podcast. Find us on Instagram, OTCB Podcast. Um, we got the Brett Manny clip up from last week. Uh, great chatting with Justin Nasio um, as well. But this week we have the Deputy Commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Jessica Berman. Uh, we talk NLL Unites. Patty throws her for a bit of a twist um, and maybe sparks some more conversation. Um, and that is one thing that she emphasized was asking those questions to get the answers and not being afraid to ask them. So uh, an unbelievable, unbelievable conversation with Jessica Berman. But the big news of the week, obviously, Pat, is not only did rosters come out, that means it is officially game week in the National Lacrosse League. How, on a level of one to Buzz Lightyear, how much are you buzzing? Wasn't like Jake Muzzin's cousin, man. Absolutely fired up, man. Absolutely fired up. And uh, I was actually with Austin Owens, uh, the editor-in-chief of Lacrosse Flash, and we were talking just about the upcoming season and um, just how excited we are for the year. And not just because, you know, it's been 635 days, no one's counting or anything, but the fact that, we've got two rookie classes, which we've talked a lot about, you know, there's a lot of teams that felt that they were championship caliber teams last year, and they kind of lost out on a year to kind of, kind of go for it. So there are a lot of championship caliber teams, but I don't really like looking through the rosters, which we'll do shortly here. There's not too many teams where I look at the roster and I'm like, Oh, I don't really like, like there's a lot of good parody in the league this year. And I think we know who the top dogs are. Um, but I think there's going to be some teams that, you know, really, really surprise some people. And there's a combination of teams that I could see making the playoffs, missing the playoffs, and nothing really would truly surprise me. What's the team that's going to surprise you the most if they make the playoffs this year? Oh, geez. I guess, I mean, by definition, it would be Panther City. They would probably be the one to surprise me. Um, but after that, I mean, if you look at some of the other teams like Vancouver, I I wouldn't really surprise me with how much uh, they how much they've done this offseason to improve their their offense. You know, two great draft picks that they brought in. A team like Rochester, you solidify your your goaltending. You get a couple of new draft picks in your lineup that you've been waiting for. And then even a team like New York Riptide, you add a MVP caliber player in Callum Crawford, and you know the the and this is such a buzzword and I'm going to get chirped for it, but a generational player. Hey. In Jeff Teed, like that, that's a team that wouldn't surprise me if they got in. So I, just, I think Panther city would be the only one, but yeah, even if they got in, it's like, you know, if you catch fire there, like they get there, they, all those guys have chips on their shoulder. They've got a great coaching staff. And I mean, they're goaltending. If, if, if one of those guys get hot and they ride, sure. Maybe they get in. Do I think it's going to happen? No, yeah. but I would be super, super surprised. Yeah. But Anything can happen this year. I honestly believe that. Um, I, I think, and I'm this this is gonna be the story of the year, I think, is going to be the team that wins it all will have this may not be a, a blazing take, but the team that wins it all will have the goal of the year this year. And I I, I really think that you know, for teams like Vancouver, Panther City, New York, 
if they're going to make runs, they have to have their goalie play above average. Like shoot or, or Dubinsky could probably be just average and that yeah. team is going to be good. But in Vancouver, New York, Panther City, I think you need, if Bouquet is going to be your guy on day one, uh, he needs to be absolutely phenomenal all year long for you to make the playoffs. If, if Steve Orleman's going to be guy, the guy in New York, or, or it's going to be Goa Abrams, but I imagine they're going to they're going to run with Sorley. I think he has to be absolutely phenomenal, even with all of that offensive firepower. He has to be above average for them to make the playoffs. And I feel the same way whether it's uh, Daymood or whether it's Kevin Orlam in, in Panther City. The other teams have established goaltenders, and Rochester got one in having Evan Kirk. Right, that's yeah. that's a huge boost for them. We talk about the importance of goalies all the time in this league. And I think for those three teams that we're talking specifically, which, which would be surprises, it will have to because their goaltenders have mind-boggling years. Yeah, and it's I, to, I, I absolutely totally agree. And I do think that even, you know, even some of those well-established teams, like you mentioned, um, even a team like, like the Wings. Like, yeah, a good I think team last playoffs in the East this year, and they're going to have a yeah. good yeah, and the thing is, though, Zach Higgins is going to have to replicate what he did uh, a couple of seasons ago. And I think he's got it in him. I think we've seen what he's been able to do in the summer. Um, and he just never was able to do that in the National Lacrosse League, and he finally did. But with that being said, if he has an offseason, and the Wings have a very solid roster from top to bottom, but because things are so tight in the East – if you falter early and your goaltender can't really figure things out, that's going to hurt you in, in the long run. And you talked about it. Yes. The wild card is, is an added bonus um, for these teams, but there's just not a lot of room for error. And especially being off for this long. Yeah. I think the team that's going to start off hot is going to have a super, super big advantage because we all know it's going to take every team a long time or a little bit of time to get running. Um, but those teams that can kind of figure things out quickly are certainly going to have an upper hand. Don't forget, if you want to look your best at your team season opener, hit up nllshop.com in the United States or go over to fanatics.ca. Uh, hats, shirts, hoodies, apparel, whatever you need. Uh, game week is here. Christmas is coming. nllshop.com, fanatics.ca. Get all of your approved NLL gear click of a mouse. Um, all right, let's dive in to these rosters a little bit. And we're not going to go player by player because that would take us 17 hours and <laughs> no one's phone battery lasts that long. Um, but we're going to go through, if you want to check them out, go to nll.com slash news. Uh, all the rosters are there um, in one article. It's a great resource if you want to look it up. Uh, it also indicates who's on the practice rosters and things like that. But um, let's start with Albany. We'll go in order here. Who's probably your biggest surprise on that team? We'll do this for every team. Who's your big surprise? and Or maybe what is your big surprise with that roster? And which guy are you looking for to have the big breakout? Um, I think the biggest surprise that I saw on this roster was the fact that uh, Brad Smith started on the practice roster. I thought he was really uh, going to be a guy that was going to be able to find his way quickly. And I don't think that's a knock on Brad Smith. I just think that's more of a, of a bonus and uh, uh, you know, uh, to show that, you know, Albany's offense is going to be better than they don't need to have a project on their roster right away in a guy, um, you know, like him, someone who I'm really looking forward to, 
um, would be Garrett Thal. He's a guy that has been away from the game for a long time. Um, when we have seen him inside the box, he's been an exciting player. Um, he's a, a very interesting player, obviously playing at West Point, um, a guy that had to serve. So that's another reason why we haven't seen him in a while. Um, but being able to watch him play in uh, Rochester, I believe it was last weekend. Uh, boy, he looks like he actually hasn't been too far away. We know he's in great shape, uh, but it looks like he's going to gel in this offense pretty nicely. How about yourself? Who, um, who are you looking to see? Yeah, I, I think I want to see what Anthony Malcolm can do, a.k.a. Tony Malcolm, a.k.a. Tuna. Um, I really think that he can turn into an ultra-dynamic two-way guy in our league. He already has blazing speed. He's got offensive talent. If if Glenn Clark, Clark and that group can use him in a way that allows him to diversify his athleticness, then I think he's going to have a ton of success. If he can stay and play up on that right-hand side and give, you know, uh, Joey Rez a break or Rooster a break, but they also have young guys in Tanner Thompson and, and Charlie Kitchen on that right side. Your boy, Chuck, Chucky Kitch, yeah. the cook. That's your guy, right? Beaches? Absolutely. Yeah. Beach boy. One um, so, season. Yeah. So, you know, though him and Thompson are young, um, they're rookies in this league. So if Tony Malcolm can go in and give some added minutes and some consistency out there, but also play good defense, I think he can have um, a fantastic year. But Johnny Pearson being on the holdout list, and this is going to become a theme where we talk about the lax flash jinx going on right now. Um, we had him as a breakout player in our, in our lax flash breakdown, and we all thought that he might have been a Panther City guy. Uh, but I was actually surprised to see him on the holdout list and, yeah, because that was a guy that I was really looking forward to seeing um, get after it this year because uh, he's a special young player. And if once he gets an opportunity, uh, he kind of had one in San Diego, but never really, wasn't able to stick around. But I thought he was going to be a big part of this team this year. Yeah, he's he's an interesting guy, 6'4", 220, big body, super athletic. Um, and I think he's a guy that kind of would really fit well into that system, whether you use him out the front door, out the back door. He's a guy that kind of can do it all. Um, he just hasn't been able to figure out what he can do the best and find yeah. that spot. And it that's kind of it's great to be a super versatile player. But at some points, you have to find that one thing that you can do really well, because yeah. let's be honest here. Um, you look through this roster at Albany they have a lot of guys that can kind of go both ways that can mm -hmm. play a little, play a little D. Um, so if he can figure it out, whether he's going to be that O guy, going to be that D guy who can move the ball up the floor. Um, maybe it's not this team, obviously him being on the holdout, but he belongs in this league yeah. and he deserves a shot. Uh, the Buffalo bandits, um, one of the top teams in the NLL East, of course, obviously Matt Vince is between the pipes. Uh, it's going to be Nolan Clayton as the third with Devlin Shanahan as the backup. But um, I got to shout out my boy, Brad McCulley, mm -hmm. the good Victoria boy, some love. Uh, super stoked that he made this team uh, as a lefty. The kid is just really, really good. Um, he has the potential to be pretty special. Uh, and I'm super excited for him uh, to get a shot. And also, I think we can all agree that we want to see great things from TN1. Absolutely. I think he obviously jumps off the board. Um, he was the most polarizing player uh, when it came to the draft. Um, he's a guy that from day one, since we've seen him um, electrifying, electrifying player. <laughs> and the league needs more guys like Tohoka. 
unfortunately there's only one dog um mm-hmm. he's a great kid off the floor on social media um and he's a guy that's really maturing and i think he's he's in a very good organization where he's isolated around some great veterans and he's going to fit really well in this offense and building off mccully because i think he's He's probably my other guy that I'm really excited to watch. Obviously hearing a lot of great things from, from you and everyone else out West. But the one thing I was really interested in hearing was when Chugger was on, um, on lax class was that they're debating on, you know, using him um, out the back door. So, and I think that's a way that, you know, that just shows you that they really see how valuable he is. And they're not just willing to throw him on the PR and let him wait, like wait as they know this kid needs to be playing the league. He's too good of a player not to, we need to find a way to get him in the roster. And if that's, you know, if that's him going out the back door, playing a little bit of two way, um, so be it. And he's the yeah. type of kid. It sounds like he, he'll take that challenge and run with it. Yeah. And with Ian McKay starting on the, the injured list, was it injured yeah. list or hold injured list, right? Yeah. Injured. Yeah. yeah. On the injured list that, that opens up a spot if they want to use Brad kind of as, as a two-way guy and, and just kind of keep him on the floor because he's a really good athlete. He's got incredible size and, you know, we've seen a lot of guys do it and some guys struggle with it. Other guys accept it and, and really thrive in those situations. And I think it'd be a good spot for Brad. Uh, the and Roughnecks. One, oh, hold on quickly before we get off the bandits, you mentioned that name, Ian McKay. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to give away any of my awards and I, he, he is not, um, one of my award picks that's coming a little bit later, but I think if he started, um, on the active roster, I would have a real hard time not putting him in the race for transition player there yeah. after the season he had in the PLL. Um, he's a kid that he just keeps getting better and better and better. He's one of my favorite players to watch straight up. Brimming with confidence, brimming yeah. with confidence. Um, Calgary Roughnecks are still technically, air quote, you're defending champions. Um, and I'm still on the wire of saying, I think they're being underrepped this year. Um, I think they're going to be outstanding. Christian Del Bianco is still Christian Del Bianco. Uh, they still have Curtis Dix and they still have a healthy Jesse King. Um, I think if Zach Haywires can have a year, I think that is a huge boost for them. But I'm really, really, after talking to him, uh, at media day, I'm really excited to see Tanner cook. This is a very nice young man that has a real, real strong head on his shoulders and just understands what it takes to be successful. And I watched him in, in Langley that one weekend and he just, he was seamless. He just played the game really well. And, he, and he's just a big, big physical young man. And I think that's really what Calgary needs. Calgary needed some size on that offense. And they needed some big bodies to bang around. And they got Jesse King and, and they've got Dixon, but everyone else is kind of on the smaller side. And bringing in Kyle Waters and bringing in Tanner Cook just gives them some more beef. And I'm really excited to see uh, what he does. And I think we're all kind of excited to see Liam LeClaire play because he's Absolutely. kind of what he hears need three years ago, right? Like yeah. the first training camp in Vancouver. He did his ACL. I remember that. I was watching. It was right there. I just, yeah, and, and now he's healthy and back. And uh, what a great story that is to finally see him back in the National Cross. Yeah, I won't spend too much time on Cook because you mentioned, and he's obviously a guy that, you know, I had a lot of, of time watching him in Whitby. He comes from a great uh, 
minor organization and of course in junior getting coached up uh by sean williams he's a guy that it's so cliche but he plays the game right um he's a winner he he wants to win um he's tough as nails uh and he's a guy that i think is truly you know built for the pro game another guy i'm really looking forward to seeing is shane simpson and i Mm -hmm. think he's a guy that really took a a big big leap forward last year uh and really kind of you know opened a lot of people's eyes. I think he's going to take that step even further. Uh, and I'm really excited to see if he can, you know, elevate his game even more. Colorado Mammoth uh, will still have Dylan Ward between the pipes, Tyler Carlson, maybe one of a few. Oh no, there's probably actually quite a bit more, but um, a few teams that have kept the same starter and backup going into this season. Oh, good point. Um, Nate Fasine will be the third on the practice roster, but um, I'm actually jealous. Uh, I'm not calling games in Colorado because I was so excited to watch Zed Williams. And he's just from talking with Ty Marrow, just how nice of a guy he is around the rink all the time. Um, and just such a great person. And I got to know him a little bit um, these past few months working with the media and just doing with interviews with him and stuff. And I'm excited to see what he can do away from Lyle and Miles and kind of that secondary role that he had playing under that. Yeah. And I mean, we saw what he was able to do in, in the outdoor game um, and he's a special player. So I think he's going to be a great player for the new American uh, fans that mm-hmm. are looking to get into box. They're the guy they're going to want to turn on, you know, mammoth games and see what Zed Williams can do inside the box. And I think he's going to do special things. Um, a guy that I'm really excited to see is Ron John. Mm-hmm. I think I've been praising his name for a long time now, mm-hmm. watching him, you know, back at the Founders Cup a few years ago in Aguasazne, playing for Seneca War Chiefs. This kid was an, a man playing against boys. Um, just a freak athlete, super smart, tough as nails, could play O, could play D. Um, and he's pretty much kept that intensity, kept his his physicality, and actually probably has gotten even bigger and even stronger. Um, you know, decided to play junior A with the arrows, uh, was a captain, uh, and he's a guy that um always big smile on his face, just ex- always happy and excited to be on the lacrosse floor. And I think he's ready for the challenge to, to take that next step and, and play in the NLL. Just kind of stick along with lines of consistency. I think Colorado has just only five new faces to their roster this year. And that's going, having not played for. Yeah. And yeah. You know, and again, we Things come out of my mouth as I think them sometimes. And so now I have to go back and rethink. And I think of a lot of other teams that don't have a lot. There are a lot of other teams that don't have a lot of turnover, but it, it, and I think maybe that's a storyline. I think we talk about the double draft classes. Maybe this double draft class is allowing teams to kind of trim some of the fat that was on their old rosters and just kind of fill them in with talented Mm -hmm. young bodies. And it's interesting now that I think about it because how many teams don't have a lot of turnover. Yeah. And I think a lot of general managers and coaching staff, I don't want to say we're afraid um, for too much change, but maybe they were thinking that because it's been so far away um, that, you know, being as cohesive as possible 
would be good for when you're coming back off of two years, or you could also spin it the other way and say, well, we haven't played in two years. So any chemistry that we built for, maybe it's out the window. So Mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to see the teams that have a lot of turnover, how long it takes for them to gel. And if it's still, you know, the teams that have been, you know, pretty much that core intact, if they can kind of just flip the switch and kind of pick up where they left off last. Georgia Swarm uh, will be without the said Zed Williams. Um, They still do have that guy named Lyle Thompson. Um, Maybe you can answer me this question. And this was posed to me by someone in the lacrosse world. Ethan Riggs was selected by the Halifax Thunderbirds in that first round two years ago. Yes? Yes, correct. And then maybe he didn't have the greatest camp. Maybe he didn't fit in with Halifax, what they were doing. But they outright release him a week and a half ago, not even a week ago. And Georgia picks him up. They bring him in. They put him in the roster. They got a first rounder for nothing. How does that happen? Mr. Arlotta, he's a wizard. He's (laughs) addicted to first round draft picks. And and Uh, you're, you're kind of closer to Halifax than, than most. Yeah. Do you have any idea why they wouldn't have tried to trade him? I mean, at that point, is it, is it, is, are you, if, if you're already trading that kid, probably teams are like, okay, well, why don't you want him? So there's maybe some red flags there. Maybe if you also, I mean, it's literally one of their hashtags. It's hashtag win now. They're in win now. They don't really have time to use a, a practice roster spot or a active roster spot on a guy that, they don't know if they're if they have space for him, um, and their defense is deep, man. Like it is yes. super deep. Ryan Terrell. We won't get into Halifax too quickly, but they have a, they have a lot of they had a lot of hard decisions to make, especially on the back door. And maybe it was a, a maybe this is also just Halifax saying like, listen, Ethan, um, you're going to be on the practice roster. That's your only spot here. We can put you on the practice roster. You can work your way up, or you can test the waters and yes, see if enough. there's a team and give him an opportunity. Maybe they don't see him in their, their roster for a couple of years. Maybe they didn't think the return was going to be worth it and the headache. So maybe that's what they did. Yeah. And I, looking at their roster, which we'll go through, and there's nothing against Ethan Riggs because I think he's a, a fine, fine prospect. I don't know if he would be getting a ton of minutes on this Halifax defense. Yeah, and he's going to get a chance now on, on a swarm team um, where he's made the the active roster and – He's he's gonna get some good minutes. He's gonna he's gonna at least start with the opportunity that he was looking for. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, the other guy I'm excited to see is Thomas Semple, uh Coquitlam yeah. kid that uh I grew up kind of not grew, grew up. I'm a lot older than people <laughs> who are playing in the league now. So I didn't grow up with anybody, any of these guys, but um coached against him as he was growing up. Um yeah. and a very, very special kid. And um, you don't see too many Western guys making Georgia. Yeah. Right. And so that speaks volumes. And uh, if he can slide in and find some sort of work ethic that works along what miles and, or sorry, at least what Lyle is doing out there, um, then that will be huge. And and I'm super excited for him to see what he can do. Yeah. Quickly before we get on, get on here. um, Just as a whole, there's not really 
one or two. I mean, there's a lot of really intriguing players here. Tanner Buck is one that I'm really excited yeah. uh, to see that he cracked this roster. I didn't think it was going to be this year, uh, but we also didn't really expect to have all that turnover on this roster. I'm just really excited to see what this team can do without some of those key players that we've seen. And I mean, if you had to trust one or two players to take a, a little bit of a, a more uh, responsibility and, and more of a bigger role. Would you not want it to be Lyle Thompson and, and yeah. Shane Jackson? Yeah. And they get and to go ahead. As you just could say, okay, I guess they have to touch the ball a little bit more. They get yeah. a little more shots. I think they're going to be okay with it. Of course, they're going to miss Randy. Um, they're going to miss miles and, uh, you know, he's out for the year. No as well. Randy, no miles, no Zed, no Heine. Yeah. Like, like that's, that's a Four guys that have a, been a part of your offense for the better part of the last two and a half seasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, it's an opportunity that I know both of them are going to rise to the occasion and, and yeah. at least see. It's just those other secondary pieces. Sure, they don't have to put as many points up, you know, as Randy Stotts, as Ed Wilms. They can't, they physically, you know, I, I don't think they are capable of it, but they have to be true sources of secondary scoring and that's going to be the big challenge uh your halifax thunderbirds what's the biggest surprise because this i think it doesn't have a lot of turnover nearly at all i would say it the biggest surprise for me is that ryan tarafenko was on the started on the practice roster Mm -hmm. and again that's not a knock at ryan tarafenko I think it's just his inexperience on the indoor game. He didn't get into nearly as many practices and scrimmages as probably they would like him to. Um, but this is a kid that is going to find his way onto this this active roster at some point. Um, and the guy I'm looking forward to watching the most is Chris Bucci. Uh, He's going to have a massive year. He's finally, I think, going to get, I think he is going to get an opportunity here to finally be an everyday player. And it's, it's going to be a prove it, you know, yeah. um, when he's been in it, he has, he, you know, he's put up some numbers, but can he do it at a consistent rate? Can he be that everyday player that can be relied upon on a very deep righty, um, offense? Um, okay. You're playing armchair GM here, or armchair coach here. Who are your, who's your starting O guy game one against Sask? I don't, I hate this question. I've been asked it a million times. I know, times of course. And, that's why you're there and that's why you're here, damn it. And so the old school mind, I'll say, there's two lines of thinking. The old school mind of way is Reese Dutch goes in. He's the veteran. You brought him in. He's flying across the country. He's He's a guy that you brought in to be a veteran and be a part of this championship run. The new school side of it is, who has been playing better? Who has had the better camp? And that's been Chris Boucher. So it, it's it, that's the question that this coaching staff has to ask. Um, what do they want to establish? Keo is going to be in there because one, he's been on this team for a while, and he's also had a tremendous, tremendous camp. Austin Shanks is going to be there. He's a guy again, great camp. Uh, a guy that that you know this team is clearly um, invested in to be a part of this, and another guy, Clark Peterson, pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be in the top ten in scoring this year. Wow. Yeah, that's maybe my spicy take for this episode here. I think he's going to be a top ten scorer this year. Okay, so <laughs> that means Bushi sits game one. 
I'm saying it's either you have to decide, is it Bushy or is it Dutch? Okay, and, fair. And I don't know. I honestly don't know what you do. I said, if you are the newer school mind of thinking, I think it's who has played best. And from all my indications that I've heard through, and even from what I've seen at camp, yeah. it has been Bushy. Mind you, I have not seen Dutch yet. I wasn't at any of those runs that he was at. Uh, um, but with that being said, the old school, as I mentioned already, you got to give you like, if that's your thinking, Dutch is your guy. He's a veteran. He's flying halfway across the country. So I don't know. What would you do? Um, that I think that that is my thing. How, how many Western games does Halifax play this year? Do you know off by hand? I don't know off by hand. I'm sorry. Give me a second. Give me a second. Um, because if you do that, if you base it on kind of East West and, not having to fly Dutch in because well, that is th- a hellacious yeah. travel. You can get there in two flights. I've looked it up. You can go Victoria, Toronto direct, and then Toronto, Halifax direct, which is pretty damn good. Um, but that takes a lot of toll on your body to be flying all the way across the country like that numerous times a year. So like I think their first game, few games are what uh, Sask, Toronto. Then, yeah, two home games, Sask, Toronto, and then I believe they're in Calgary um, for their third game at the end of the month. Yes. Uh, no, they're yeah Calgary's home. That's their only Western game. Yeah. So yikes. You know, maybe you kind of brought Dutchie in to see what he can do if he still has it. He still obviously does have it, but. If you're going to fly him, like I said, if you're going to fly him all the way across the country, you kind of have to play him because, right? So well, maybe this, that, that's the thing. We're not in the room. We don't, we don't hear no. what's going on. We don't know what they negotiate. I don't know. Maybe they, they said, like, maybe they told them before, like, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, we brought you in because we, we believe you can still play, but at the end of the day, like, you know, you're still competing for a spot and, Maybe they've had that conversation, but you would think that a guy that clearly has a lot of game left in him want, you know, wants to be in that lineup. And I think probably the same, same could be said for Aaron Bold, who, if you are not happy for Aaron Bold, you have no soul. Yeah. Um, And look in the mirror because that is a phenomenal story to see what, you know, everything that he went through and, to battle all the way back to have the strength and the mental toughness. And I don't know there obviously was a lot of soul searching for Aaron over these last little whiles, last little while since losing Michelle. And I think it was just an absolutely phenomenal story that he is back and he's earned this spot. And he's going to back it up in one of the greatest markets in our league. Yeah. And I mean, and you said it like he, he also won that he battled and he won that. Yeah. Like, he won that job because he beat out Dubensky, who I know that coaching staff was pretty high on it on, you know, being a backup and being a guy that clearly felt, you know, obviously he, he, he belongs in the league. He was barely on like on, on the waiver wire. I think Keenan picked him up even yeah. before the ink was dry on that contract that, you know, that they released him Right. So mm-hmm. He won it fair and square. And I think that they had that, again, I know that they had this conversation saying like, you know, we're bringing you in, 
you're, you're going to compete uh, for that second job right now. Warren's our guy, but you know, if Warren ever has an off night or if he falters, like we need you ready to go. And do you doubt anyone more than Aaron bull that, you know, physically and mentally he'll be yeah. ready to go. Like the guy has takes his fitness so serious. He watches a lot of film. Um, he's ready to get back and, and, and compete and whether that's as a backup and supporting Warren, um, you know, on a team that's ready to win a championship, I think he's ready for that challenge. There won't be a better team guy than Aaron Bold either. Yeah. He will push you. He will make you the best human you can possibly be. And he'll pat you on the back, shake your hand, look in the eye and say, I love you, man. It's just the kind of person Aaron Bold is. So uh, that is just an incredible story. The New York Riptide. Um, I'm still not sold on the goaltending. We talked about it earlier, but I am mm. super excited uh, to see what Larson Sundown can do on a professional level. Um, the kid is just mustard, man. This kid is a grinder. He's got filthy hands. Uh, we'll go to the dirty areas and, and can score big goals. If you followed the RIT run in the national championships this year, uh, you saw what he could do. Um, and honestly, as weird as this sounds, I'm truly excited to see what Callum Crawford can do this year. Mostly because he was brought in to a franchise that was struggling and needed a new face and needed a new identity. And then they went out and got Jeff Teat. Mm -hmm. And I want to see how he can play in his role with a guy like Jeff Teat on his team, because there are all the pundits and all the naysayers out there that will say Callum is this Callum is that. But if Callum can somehow play in this system as well as he always does, but also accept the fact that Jeff Teed is the future of this franchise, I think really good things can happen for Callum Crawford this year. Yeah, and I, I think he's the, the, he's the type of guy that, again, like every season for the last, what, three, two, three seasons, like he's been an MVP candidate. Yeah. And he's a guy that, again, like he's another guy that takes his fitness super serious, like super, super serious. He is not getting any younger, but he's not also getting any worse. Um, he's a guy that continues to get better and better. And I think, you know, you just look at this offense. It's a completely different offense. Mm -hmm. um, their issue, like you said, it's going to be keeping the ball out of the net. We know they're going to score. Um, it's whether this defense can kind of hold things down a guy I'm looking forward to. And I was surprised, you know, to see that he actually made the active roster is Bryce Tolmy. And mm. I don't think a ton of people even really know who he is. Junior B guy played with the green Gales, went to Hofstra. He's a big body. He's got a really high motor, um, a super, super smart player. Uh, and kudos to Jim Veltman. I do believe he was the one that drafted him. Uh, I believe it was last season. Um, and he obviously saw a lot of Tommy watching his son, Chris Veltman play with the, the Ironheads. Um, again, shout out Chris Veltman. He made that practice roster. Uh, and believe you me, he didn't make that roster because he has the same last name as the yeah. general manager. He had to earn that. That's the type of, uh, of guy Jim is. He's never really given Chris any sort of advantage. He's always had to battle for it. Um, and I know that's the case for him making that practice roster. And um, Chris is a guy that, you know, never, never really found his footing with, with the beaches junior a uh, and ended up with us and we embraced him. We knew he was a special player went to go play with Brampton this summer and obviously showed that, you know, he is a great player. 
and found himself on a practice roster in the National Lacrosse League. I think if you asked him two seasons ago when he was playing with the Ironheads, if that was possible, um, I don't know if he would have said yes. Shout out Ironheads. Shout out Ironheads, baby. Um, keep your eyes on Leroy Halftown. Uh, that yes. kid, that kid's sneaky good, man. If if he is, I know he's fully committed, but if he, if he gets a chance and he can do what I saw him do in the in the Prezies a few years back, uh, mm-hmm. that that kid could uh, open some eyes. Panther City Lacrosse Club, the expansion club. Obviously, there are a lot of surprises. Um, there are a lot of question marks, a lot of unknowns. Um, obviously, shout out my boy. Uh, Patty Dodds for making the active, yep. but also Liam Phillips, who didn't even know if he was going to be in this draft, um, even if he wanted to be in the draft. Um, and after, you know, a lot of conversations with guys in the league that are from Victoria and the coaching staff, uh, he puts his name in and earns a spot after getting drafted. And uh, super excited for those guys. Um, do you have one guy that stands out for you in this roster? <sighs> I don't know if there's one. I mean, there's one guy that if you look at them on the floor, he sticks out and that's Mike Trio. Yeah. Um, big body. Uh, and he's a guy that, you know, had a cup of coffee with Rochester a few seasons ago and just never found his way back um, into the National Lacrosse League and um, playing senior B out in Alberta. Um, and I think he's a guy that really has, you know, taken the game very serious. I mean, he always has, but I think he, you know, when he, kind of fell out of favor with Rochester um, that kind of opened up his eyes. And then, mm. you know, with expansion, he's a guy, he's going to have a chance and I'm excited for him. Uh, you know, I played, I played some minor with him, played some U19 ball with him um, with the beaches. So I'm excited for him from, you know, even as a friend to a friend, uh, but Nathan Grennan's another interesting. Yeah. Player, think, Shout out the Grennan clan. Shout out Mercyhurst. Let's go. The Hearst, the Hearst train. And obviously he's a guy that, I'll be honest, I think up until last, I guess it would be the, you know, the OJ bubble season or whatever mm. you want to call that. Um, I liked his game. Don't get me wrong. I, I really liked him. I, I just, I didn't really see him as like, a, you know, a fringe first rounder that some of the, you know, mock drafts had. But then after seeing him, he elevated his game and I could see, okay, this is why everyone is so high on him. And I think, you know, obviously the scrap in the finals, him just scoring some big goals, uh, him just maturing as a man, becoming more uh, of that go-to guy, the guy that wants the ball on his stick, um, but also not being the guy that just wants the ball on the stick and take reckless shots from the outside. He's a guy that, you know, super smart. And I think um, that tournament really opened up his mm. eyes to seeing how good of a player he actually is. Yeah. Um Sidebar, uh, go and listen to the uh, Back of the Bird pod with Snyder, and I think they talk about best chirps they've heard on the floor. And Polly recounts a story with Triolo on playing. Some guy <laughs> walked up to him and say, hey, Mike, your name is Triolo, not Priolo. <laughs> yeah. One of the best ones I heard. Yeah, yeah that. That, was was, that was classic. Yeah, that was uh, Philadelphia Wings, a team, I don't want to say – they're a dark horse because that's not true at all. Um, but I think when you talk, um, you know, amongst the people who are out there, they, they think Halifax, they think Toronto, they think Buffalo. I think Philadelphia is going to be really, really good and a shoe in for the playoffs. And if not competing for the East title. And I already mentioned it, so I won't spend too much time on it, but yeah. 
uh, goaltending. If Higgins can emulate what he did last year, there's no reason or last season, there's no reason why they can't be a championship contending team. Um, their offense is legit. They brought in some, yeah. some key pieces. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Subak. Um, and I just think this is a team, you know, uh, you know, coach day, coach Paul day did a great job building this roster. John Rannigan, big team guy, uh, adding him, uh, Alex Krepensek, another big team guy. This is a team that if, if things kind of fall into place, why couldn't they be? But I will say super, super disappointed that Brian Costa is on the Ugh. holdout list because man, I really wanted him to yeah, to play inside too. the box and be that that two way transition player. Yeah. It's gonna happen. There's gonna be a day when all those guys we watch in the PLL and we say, "Man, I'd love to see that guy inside." It's gonna happen. Um, that offense is definitely team thick. <laughs> yeah. Hickey, Matisse, Benny yes. Mac, Rambo, Blaze, Smallsy, Vit Dog, like that's a thick roster. Yeah, with a couple of C's, like that, that's a <laughs> right. Yeah, and the big cat's the only one who's yeah, the, who's not thick, really. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, but that uh, uh, that's a very scary offense when you think about it. And uh, I agree the 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 Higgins thing is going to be telltale. And you look at the guys who had big years uh, during the COVID season: uh, Higgins, Warren Hill, uh, Dougie Jameson. Can those three guys repeat what they did twenty months ago? Yep. And I think if they can, all three of those teams are title contenders. Yep, no doubt. Uh, where are we? Rochester. Um, this is an interesting team. Um, you know, I, I think they have what it takes. They're kind of like New York, maybe not as offensively stacked as New York, um, but very good offense. Their defense is questionable. Is that safe to say? Uh, I Questionable, I think, as and then they have a lot of guys that still have uh, a lot to prove. Yes, there's some like guys they're still very list. young on the back yes. end. Like R- Rylan Reese is is still what now only going into his second true year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitch um, Gustin has kind of yeah. bounced back and forth. Gilray still, you know, five years in this league. Dawson's been around for a while. Kosey's been around for a while, but you know, Biles, Halls, Highfield, Mitch Ogilvie, Doug Udding, Thomas Whitty. These guys are still two, three years in the league, and. Yeah. When you're in that East with the number, with the the type of forwards that are in that Eastern conference, you're going to need those guys to, you know, really learn trial by fire. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, and I think that's what's going to happen there. Another thing, like we know, I think their offense, we know Sean Evans is going to put the ball in the net a bunch. And we know that Ryan Smith has proven that he's going, um, you know, he, in major series across his first season, lit it up. We know he's going to be able to play, uh, you know, against men and, and produce. It's whether this defense can do a fine enough job where they're not just, you know, throwing Evan Kirk into the fire here. Yeah. Um, but they have the athletes. These guys are all have done a great job, you know, in junior and in that small sample size last season. Can they emulate that? Can they repeat that? And if they can, this is a team that I think will compete for a playoff, the one name that jumps off the page for me is Charlie Bertrand and watching him in that exhibition game, there was times where I'm watching him like saying like, I don't know if he knows what he's doing on the floor right now, but then there'd be other times where I was like, how did he just do that? So he's such a, a freak Supreme athlete, but he has so much to learn, 
but that just shows you that he's not a pro he's, he's not a project that you're going to put on the practice roster, have him come out to practice. They think he is that valuable right now. He has to learn on the fly. That's how good he is. He's, you know, uh, I'm not saying he's going to be Tom Schreiber, but Schreiber was that type of guy that, you know, it was like, he steps on the floor. He'll, he's going to figure it out right away. I don't know if that's going to be the same case, but obviously Rochester sees him being in a guy that is good enough offensively and has that skill set that he's going to, every time he touches the floor, he's going to learn something new and he doesn't have to sit in the press box and watch the game to figure that out. We got four teams left. Uh, San Diego seals. We talk about turnovers within goaltenders and the seals have had that turnover the last few years. But they have Crystal Riglieri behind Frank Shiliano. And we all know the quality of goaltender that Frank is. But if he struggles and they have to lean on Crystal Riglieri, I think it could be a long season. We continually talk about goaltending depth. So I'm excited to see Chris make it. Um, I wish Frankie all the best. I know he's going to have a fantastic season knowing that he's the number one guy and understanding the pressure that is on him. Um, but that's kind of a concern for me. Um but I think the fact that they are bringing in Mac O'Keefe and Trey LeClaire, I'm super excited to see those two young guys ball out. Yeah. And that you just, you just took the words right out of my mouth. O'Keefe and LeClaire. We've seen what, o uh, what LeClaire has been able to do uh, for a pretty long time um, in box across O'Keefe had a very small sample size in, in junior a. Is he going to be able to do that once again? I know it, that was a long time ago. So he is, grown as a man a um, lot stronger um, his shot is clearly a lot better than what we saw when he was playing junior um, but we'll have to wait and see he's the type of kid that yeah he's not from Canada but he does play like a Canadian and I mm -hmm. think that's going to only help him learn because let's be honest even though he played one summer uh, of junior a lacrosse it's still not pro ball it's a yeah. different game yeah. and if he can pick it up quick enough He'll be fine. Yeah, I, I think the the natural tendencies are going to be there. I think because he's, you know, he did play that one summer, he's going to understand how to work in a two-man game for the most part. It's just going to be battling the speed of the game yeah. and the size of the defenders. If he can keep himself free, like I watched a bit of their scrimmage when they were in Langley, and he's still trying to find the right spacing for his shot because he does need some time to get that shot off. And you usually don't have a lot of time in the indoor game. So if he can find a way to get that shot off while still keeping his feet moving and getting his hands free, um, there will be a definite uh, amount of success there. But when you have him playing with Casey Jackson, they are very similar in the fact that they like that outside shot. So it could be a little one dimensional at times, uh, but they do have that guy named Dane Doby on their offense. So I think, I think they will be okay. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Uh, the Saskatchewan Rush, um, a team that I have been saying the last few years is kind of closing its window for its longtime veterans, even guys that were part of the Edmonton Rush era. This is a team that is still built to win a championship. And if Derek Keenan now in his first time as sole GM, um, Jeff McComb, first time as the head coach, there's not a lot, of, a lot to change there. A lot of systems are still the same. A lot of the names are still the same. But there are some fresh faces, and Marshall Palace is one of them. And I thought he was a bit of a surprise when he got drafted a couple years ago, but I have learned to never question Derek Heenan. Um, and if he is kind of the heir apparent to everything that Jeff Shatler has done 
for this organization, I think it's a nice fit. Yeah, Paulus is he's he's a special player. He's a really special player. Um, you know, up until this this past junior A season, really only played junior B ball where he put up like a billion points. <laughs> yeah. Um had a had a you know a little bit of a taste of senior ball when he went to the Prezi's Cup with six and eight as well. Um, but he's a kid that, you know, he's a kid. That's the thing too. Like he yeah. still has a lot to learn, but um, it seems like he, you know, hearing multiple times now, Derek Keenum, whether he's talking to the media uh, on lax clash, he, he, you know, he said that like this guy has once, you know, every time we step on the floor, they talk to each other and say like, how are we keeping this kid out of the lineup? Like we can't, he's too good. So he's put them in a hard, hard situation. And, um, another fresh face, a couple fresh faces, Bobby kid. You've obviously yeah. seen a lot of him coaching staff seems to be really impressed with him and his athleticism. Uh, but a guy that I've seen a lot and I've been really high on him, uh, Connor McClelland. He's a guy that, um, you know, comes from that Brampton organization who have, you know, produced so many good defenders, uh, over the years, yeah. uh, going to play a, beside a couple of them in Corbeil, uh, and Rubish, but he's the guy that, um, when talking to, um, uh, Dan Teat, he said that this is our guy that we leaned on, not just when I coached him in junior, um, but in his first year with the senior Excelsiors, he was their shutdown defender as a rookie when they were, you know, playing near the end of the year. And he said, he's the guy on this roster, um, out of all my defense, even the guys that are in the NL right now that like, I, I think he, his ceiling is so high. And he's going to have no problem making that jump to the next next level. Uh, Toronto Rock uh, have some new faces as well, but not too many are fresh faces. Is that does that pose a problem for this group? I don't think so. I that's a. Are you thinking that that there's not enough youth on this roster? Is no, that what you're uh, trying to see? Kind of yes. Like we talk about the influx of all these teams that, that are that are using their two draft pick two draft classes to bring an influx of youth in. Um, I will say the Rock have some, but they are really going for it this year, and okay, that is way, based on bringing in veteran bodies. Okay, the way that you 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 put it that way, then yes, I think they are all in. They have to win maybe not now as in this season, but if they don't win this year or next year, um, you know, the cupboard's starting to get a little bit thin, um, but they do still have a lot of young, really talented guys like Challen Rogers, obviously going nowhere. Tom Trivers going nowhere. Brad Cree continues to prove that he is an elite defender. Um, Mitch Destu, you bring him in. Um, sure. Dan Dawson is getting older, but I think that guy could play until he's 65. Let's be honest. Um, they have so many young, great players on this team. Um, but like you said, it's not about right now. It's down the road. Um, you know, with trading all those first round draft picks, if you don't win a championship this year, next year, and some of these guys are, you know, okay, you have some of these guys locked up like Rogers and Cree to some ridiculous contracts, but there are other guys on this roster who are going to, you know, eventually want to win a championship maybe they go somewhere else yeah. um so th this is win now mode for them Th their window maybe isn't quite as small as a, a team like halifax um but certainly they got to win now and 
if it's not this year, is this a, a team that kind of addresses some needs and makes some trades? Because we know their defense is going to be good. Yeah. We know Nick Rose is going to be elite. Are they going to score enough goals? Are there, there because we've seen at times this has been one of the most electric offenses in the in the league when you know Tom Schreiber is healthy. Yeah. Well, when one, even when one guy goes down, it's a completely different offense. Yeah, hundred percent, exactly. And I I completely agree with that. And the you know when I asked a couple of you guys this question when I was just watching film a few weeks ago, I said who was the team with the worst power play percentage in the NLL during the shortened season. And it was Toronto and, and none of us could believe it, but Schreiber only played what six games. He missed yeah. five of their games. And that just shows how out of sync they were when they didn't have that one key cog in their offense. And that also puts a lot of strain on challenge Rogers to have to play more minutes when a guy like Tom Schreiber is out. And we know challenge can probably play 55 minutes if he had, to. <laughs> um, but when you're asking them to do that much, it can be a lot on a guy. So I think if they can stay healthy, definitely this team will compete. And I love the fact that a young guy like uh, Aaron Forster has made this team. Uh, NJIT kid uh, came out West for a bit of lacrosse, ended up like breaking his thumb the first game he played out West and it kind of screwed him for the rest of the year. But um, the fact that he has stuck it out and made this team uh, kudos to him. Cause again, you love to see those guys sticking around and battling it out. Yeah. And he's a guy that's battled injuries. It seems mm-hmm. like since junior. So if he can stay healthy, he's a guy that's going to be exciting to watch. And I agree. I'm pumped for him. The Vancouver Warriors, the final one on the list. What stands out to you with this roster? Their offense is, is kind of legit. Right. Like their offense is kind of right? legit. Like, like I really like this offense. Um, Mitch Jones, I had him pegged uh, when we did our, la- uh, our lax class. Um, was it season awards? Mm-hmm. I had him as the leading scorer. He was my vote to finish with most points this year. I think he's going to have another tremendous year. I think he could be up for an MVP this year as well. Um, Logan Schuss. You bring in Marty Dinsdale, a guy that is a glue guy that you need those guys crashing and banging. Um, Adam Charlem Beatty's so pumped so to see good. him play. He is like Reed Bowering is gonna Reed Bowering is gonna take take some offensive reps. Um, this is an offense that you know they have some firepower, um, and I'm really excited to see what they can. Keegan Ball forgot to mention that name, mm-hmm. breakout player last year. This team's gonna score a lot of goals. They are, and they're going to rely on Alex Bouquet, I believe, to be their number one guy to start the season. Yeah. Um, he And he's going to have Fryer backing him up. I, you know, uh, the waiver wire kind of shook everybody when we saw that Eric Penny was released, and he's been their guy for the past three seasons. That was a bit of a shock to everybody. And surprisingly, maybe no team has picked Eric Penny up since which maybe raises some red flags. Do you agree? Yeah. And I don't know. So he's a guy that he's, he's from out this where he's an Ontario guy, yeah. a Mimico kid, but is he, is he living out West? Yeah. He's, he's been living out here ever since so he started I playing. thought so. So I don't know, maybe he's told teams in the East that you know, he's not coming out that way. I, I don't know, because I agree. I thought with some uncertainty in between the pipes and not necessarily for a starting position, but 
you know, as a backup, um, you thought maybe someone would take a stab at him, but for, for whatever reason, um, you know, he, he's still finding himself, you know, on a, you know, as a free agent, maybe in a couple of weeks, we see him picked up by someone, but Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, he's not right now. Um, that went way longer than I had hoped. I love it. Um, (laughs) we, uh, there was a lot to dissect there and we probably could, like I said, we probably could have taken two hours to talk about it all, but we took almost an hour and 15 minutes, whatever. That's what we do. Um, we get paid. It's been zero. Hey, you know what? It's been 635 <laughs> days. We have not been able five to actually talk podcast, about yeah. rosters. And uh, if you, if you're not excited to talk, uh, you know, and listen to lacrosse right now, you've got a big dump in your pants. Okay. So, <laughs> Listen up, you will you will consume this content and you will enjoy it, okay? What an excellent segue <laughs> into the deputy commissioner of the National oh, God. League. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jessica Berman has been uh, a guest on the show ever since she was hired by the National Lacrosse League. And ever since that first conversation that she and I had, she was very passionate about the idea of continually growing this game, not only as a sport, but as an idea and as a way of life and with NLL unites, she hopes she can bring the game of lacrosse to more people than ever before. This is the deputy commissioner and EVP of business affairs, Jessica Berman right here on the off the crossbar podcast. Joined now by the deputy commissioner of the national League, Jessica Berman, who joins us as we step into NLL face-off weekend. Jessica, how are you? Good. Now that we're returning to play. Yeah, it's it's been a long, long time. Uh, what have you been up to over the last 600 odd days? <laughs> 635 to be exact, yep. but who's counting? No, nope. uh, count? we, we all are. We all are. Well, it's gone through a lot of different phases over the last 635 days uh, from the initial shock and recalibration to reality setting in that this was more of a long-term need to figure out our new normal. Of course, our uh, desire to have played last year, which unfortunately couldn't happen due to our unique circumstances with our players being in Canada and the border being closed to the ramp up to season 35 now uh, with uh, the last really, I would say six to nine months being focused on essentially relaunching the league. Uh, we've talked about the league from a business and operation perspective being like a 35 year old startup, but this actually feels like a true startup. Uh, we had to really recalibrate almost every area of the business. Uh, I would say the one thing that remained constant was the game of box lacrosse and the the lacrosse side, but really everything else in the world has shifted in terms of our industry and fan expectations and COVID and business and media and sponsorship. So um, it's been exciting for sure. Um, I I want to start sort of with the COVID thing. Um, What are precautions being taken by the league? I know every, you know, region and arena and city is going to have their own regulations and rules, but what's the league doing to ensure that players are going to be safe and we're not going to, you know, run into situations that some of these NHL teams and NBA teams are finding themselves in where, you know, um, a rash of guys are getting it and games have to be canceled. Well, I, I would like to 
think and hope that the precautions we've taken will uh, avoid that or at least significantly limit the possibility of that. But of course, we have learned in the last 635 days that COVID is uh, no joke and uh, new variants and things like that are definitely keeping us on our toes. Um, of course, the NLL has a league-wide COVID policy and protocol that is informed not just by the other leagues and what we've learned by watching them sort of test and learn different approaches, but also our medical committee who have been working in lockstep with me and some other folks at the league office to really build a plan that uh, focuses on mitigating risk. Um, and every team has a club compliance officer who's responsible for the execution and implementation of our policies. All those people report into me directly at the league office to ensure that everything in the policy is being followed to the letter. And I personally review all of the reports uh, that come into the league office, um, which is not necessarily what I wanted to be doing with my time, but um, is really become just a part of doing business today. How much of a challenge was it for the front office to keep fans engaged over these 600 days? Because as you mentioned, yes, sometimes it feels like a startup and yes, it is a, you know, a 35 year league. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all about bringing in those new fans, but at the same time, it's about retaining those fans as well. Well, one of our strategies actually pre-COVID, uh, we hired a new head of marketing and we talked a lot about this concept of humans over highlights. I'll give a shout out to the chief marketing officer of the NHL, who is Heidi Browning. She came from Pandora and one of her first meetings with me um, at the NHL was really a deep dive into this idea of, yes, of course, like you have to love the game of lacrosse or in that case, the game of hockey. But really the thing that captivates fans and brings fandom to the next level is the human interest side of things. And so uh, Katie Lavin and I uh, had really begun to create and implement a strategy that was focused on humans over highlights, thankfully, pre-COVID, um, which really allowed us to very quickly, like literally within days, pivot to make sure that our owned and operated platforms were supported by interesting content. Actually, you guys <laughs> helped support that as well. <laughs> um, lots of people pitched in from around the lacrosse community, and I'm really happy to say uh, Katie actually shared with me a really great data point that since COVID started 635 days ago, our platforms have grown by, in each instance, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, et cetera, by five to 10% in the course of 635 days, which is to me amazing, given that we haven't played game. Wow. I like to remind everybody that we are a professional lacrosse league. So <laughs> providing interesting content that's attracting new fans during a time when we're not playing is really hard. Um, but our internal team, Joel Feld, our content team, our creative folks have really been challenged to come up with new and interesting ideas. Our players have been great. Um, our coaches, even some of them joined TikTok. You know, I referenced <laughs> the Micah Kersey dances, um, you know, anything really to like remind our fans we're still here. We're alive and kicking. We'll be back. We've been saying that, uh, and now everyone knows we mean it. 
when you decided to launch lacrosse unites um obviously people may not know but you were a huge part of hockey is for everyone with your time with the national hockey league and when we had talked earlier you wanted to do something like this and this was one of your kind of key platforms that you wanted to install in the national lacrosse league how long has this journey been to get lacrosse unites up and running yeah so um well i would say that if covid hadn't happened uh in earlier iteration of NLL Unites would have launched with the playoffs of the 1920 season. Um, we had done a lot of work to develop the strategy and uh, the sort of underpinnings of it were in place as early as sort of the spring of 2020. Um, obviously with COVID, we took the opportunity to not just sort of plug and play what we had created at that point, but iterate and evolve. Uh, we ran focus groups during COVID with players and coaches and various people around the ecosystem to get input on the culture of the game to really help inform our strategy. But yeah, Teddy, you know, from our prior conversations on the podcast and, and otherwise offline, uh, this is really the reason that I work in sports. Uh, it is the, the thing that gets me up at I think this morning was uh, 4.55 my alarm was set for to start working and keeps me going until after 10 or 11 o'clock at night because I believe sports has the power to change the world. And while in a given day, I might be working on a media deal or a sponsorship deal or in an issue or challenge with the player association or something related to the broadcast, uh, at the end of the day, that is all to get to the output of putting forth the product, which will finally be back on the floor on Friday, that brings communities together. And I have always believed since the time I was 16 that sports is one of the unique things in our society that has the power to really do that. And so, yeah, this was one of the things that I was beyond excited about. I felt like the NLL is really a clean slate to be able to launch an initiative like this. And the culture of the game is so strong that um, one of my first days on the job back in September of 2019, when I attended the Player Business Summit and heard directly from the players about how passionate they were about the heritage of the game and the roots of the game and the values underpinning box lacrosse, um, how that frames the mindset of inclusion and creating an environment where everyone should have the opportunity to enjoy and play the sport that we all love and that they all should feel loved by that sport. And uh, I feel it's our responsibility at the league and at the team level to cultivate and foster that environment and do our best to tell those stories to make sure that that culture is protected. And how do we do that? Because it's more than just putting, you know, stickers on helmets and social media posts and things like that. How do we physically go about doing that? Well, it starts with always with uh, sort of the authenticity of the cause, right? We say, we always say in social impact work, no cause is a bad cause. Um, there's lots of good causes out there, but it's really like creating a strategy around the things that are authentic to your product. And for us, that is not a hard question to answer. And the heritage and roots of our game being in the indigenous community is the underpinnings and will be the underpinnings of everything we do, not just with the NLL Unites platform, but it has to live 
sort of vertically, horizontally, diagonally across everything that we do. It has to infiltrate how we educate internally. It has to infiltrate how we talk about hiring. It has to infiltrate how we talk about uh, language, how we think about business, the types of companies we partner with, what their values are, the kinds of stories we tell, not just your like philanthropic check presentation, check the box, like we did good, yay for us. It has to be more than that. It has to really be part of almost every conversation in every area of the business, not just the quote, community relations people whose job it is to execute social impact strategy. And, and that's really, you know, my mandate. It's what I will work tirelessly to make sure that this is front and center, not just in conversations where it's obvious, but in the conversations where it's not so obvious. In a conversation about a sponsorship with a brand that may or may not be focused on diversity and inclusion to ask those questions about the things that drive their business. Are they thinking about the shifting demographics across North America? How are we going to together make an impact in communities? That's the kind of brand we are and are going to be when we show up in all facets of our business, not just those social impact areas. We saw over, I believe it was last weekend, uh, Jeremy Thompson deliver a Iroquois Nations flag to the mayor of Brampton before an exhibition game uh, with Panther City Lacrosse Club and the other teams escaping me now. But um, this is an initiative that actually Cody Jamison is working across Ontario to have the flag of the Haudenosaunee at every arena um, that the, the game of lacrosse is played. What are the chances that we see one day the NLL have the Haudenosaunee flag and even possibly a land recognition before each game? Oh, well, I, I am, uh, since we're not on video, people can't see, but <laughs> I, am write, I am writing it down, Pat. And if, uh, if it happens, you can take credit for having brought it to, to our attention. Um, I've had lots of conversations with Cody, actually, um, in my time, uh, and I look forward to having more. He has lots of great ideas, super passionate about this area. Um, and I will absolutely reach out to him to see how we could partner on something like that. You know, one of the things I love about working at the NLL is that an initiative like that could actually be executed. It's, it's one of the best things about this league is that it's sort of big enough to make an impact, but small enough that we could actually wrap our arms around an initiative like that in a relatively short time frame. And to me, you know, that, that's the super exciting part. So we can look at the, the date, it's November 30th. So we'll, you can start a timer. We'll see how long it takes for some version of that to, to roll out across the league. I'll say challenge accepted. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I love to hear that. Speaking of the indigenous roots, you know, that's obviously something that that is huge for us. And you've talked about it, but so is grassroots. How do we combine the two and honoring the indigenous roots of our game and going to some of those communities to make sure that the grassroots is still growing and not just, you know, in the 14, soon to be 15 cities that we're in now, but all across North America and the world? Well, when I think about grassroots, I, I always think about there's sort of two components and both are equally important. One is sort of the people, the communities who are 
already getting access to the sport? And what are we doing collectively to make sure that they are educated about the roots of the game, the heritage of the game, and the values of the sport are being built into the way the sport is taught? So that, and this brings us to the second component, marginalized and underrepresented communities are being given access because ultimately for a broader diversity and inclusion strategy to be effective and successful, it's not only about diversity and giving people from underrepresented groups an opportunity to participate. It's making sure that we're setting the stage for them to feel that they're welcome and that there's a place for them to be part of the game. And that is why the first component of making sure that sort of the, the majority or the um, over-indexed population, whatever the, the particular um, area is, is prepared and educated about language, cultural sensitive, cultural competency, cultural sensitivity, the roots of the game, the values of the game, the kind of sport we all expect for this for this sport to be, how we want to show up, and to not take it for granted. Um, one of the things that I love so much about this game, and you guys all know, I'm not necessarily a lacrosse person per se. I didn't grow up playing the game, but um, the, like I said at the beginning, the culture of the game is so strong that I, I, I have yet to meet really anyone who's involved in the lacrosse community, whether they're from an underrepresented or marginalized community, like a BIPOC community, or from uh, a more sort of stereotypical uh, US lacrosse community, universally, everyone really espouses the same narrative about how important the heritage of the game is and how it's our responsibility to pay homage to that history and to respect the roots of the game. And to me, that is, was and is, continues to be the really differentiating opportunity as it relates to this sport and the opportunity for growth, particularly given like the broader contextual social relevance of diversity, equity, and inclusion issues? Um, one of the questions we asked during the NLL Media Day a couple of weeks ago was, what's one thing that you've learned in your conversations and meetings with some of the Indigenous players in our league that really stands out to you? Um, that I actually, I, I have an answer to that question. Um, because it is something that I think about a lot. Uh, it, I won't sort of attribute it to any particular player, but in the focus groups we did last year, there was one focus group that was specifically with by a BIPOC only group, black indigenous people of color group. And in that conversation, um, I couldn't help but reflect on and continue to reflect on how simple the, the ask is from the community. Mm. My takeaway from, and I, in, re, in launching NLL Unites, I did go back and look at my notes from the focus groups um, to make sure the essence of our messaging was really capturing what was discussed in those sessions. And in those discussions, their asks are like, asks that I feel like are basic humanity asks. It's like, don't use language that is so demeaning or derogatory that it actually like impacts my identity. Don't, um, don't brush aside things that you don't understand. Like ask if you don't understand. Um, 
be willing to share stories about our history, make sure there are resources in place to educate those who may not know or understand these issues, um, create a platform where people are free to ask questions if they don't understand, like, you know, why is my hair long? Why is language important to our community? Why is the, the why are the land acknowledgements happening? And why is that relevant? Why is that so meaningful? Like, it's okay to ask those questions, create a platform where people can ask those questions and like, just be a good person and everything else will sort of work itself out. It's like not, it, it's sort of hard to even wrap my head around, you know, how anyone could hear those sort of, asks and not say like i'm all in to make at a bare minimum that happen yeah it's it is a very simple ask and it's one that continually needs to be asked so uh, i appreciate you giving us that kind of insight because you are on those in those meetings and hearing some of the thoughts from our players and it's great to get those thoughts out um we're going to step into the power play now uh 10 questions uh, random. There are no prizes, so all you win is bragging rights. Um, Patty, you can go first. All right. I know, obviously, big big hockey fan, so I'll, I'll throw a softball here. All-time favorite player. Oh, um, I will have to say, uh, you guys are going to laugh, Darius Kasparaitis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um. He's actually like the reason I got hooked on hockey when I was in high school. He, I was at a game and like watching him throw his hip checks was like, Whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so he was, he's like the reason I got hooked on hockey. So I have to say him. Um, we'll, we'll stick with the hockey theme then. How is that new UBS arena? Oh, um, it was great. Um, and I, I think the thing that I loved about it was that they really did a good job talking about like paying homage to your history on how important it is to like really celebrate your identity. They did such a great job on the opening night of telling the history and the story of the Islanders. There's so many interesting features and characteristics in the building that are a tribute to Nassau Coliseum, including the, the ceiling, which was built to really look like Nassau Coliseum. Um, I mean, nothing is the same as the barn and I'm excited to go there actually Saturday night to watch the Riptide open there but um it was a great it's it's a great building we'll stick with kind of the same thing favorite arena food arena food oh that's so easy nachos and cheese nice. extra extra cheese extra jalapenos there you go teddy will like that one yeah i love that one um what's your favorite holiday movie as we get into the season mm, I'll, I'll give a probably boring answer oh I was going to say home alone, but I have a better one. Um, it's been my family tradition since I was four to, it's not a movie, but uh, since I was four, every single December, my mom and I go see the Nutcracker Ballet at Lincoln nice. Center. So um, that is my, even though I'm Jewish, um, yeah. that is my Christmas sort of moment where uh, I, I look forward to that every year and we're actually going in a couple of weeks. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, kind of, again, Teddy, we, we must be <laughs> we on, talk on about the same you. way. <laughs> I know, seriously. Favorite, all-time favorite holiday gift you've ever received? Oh, um, 
well, maybe just cause I'm, I'm like on the hot seat. It's like the thing that's in my face. But, um, last year I got, um, this really cool, uh, sort of like, uh, plastic desk that attaches to my Peloton. <laughs> now, now, you know, now, you know, that I'm like really a, a sick individual, but, um, I can put my laptop there turn my camera off. And if it's not a call where I have to talk too much, it's more listening. I can actually pedal on my Peloton while I have my laptop set up. And I love that gift. So I'm really crazy because I love exercise and I work way too much. So that's that's pretty much your, awesome. you've now like sized me up. That's uh, if you could join any sitcom, what would it be? Um... Hmm. Oh, friends. I guess friends. I, I and I've just told you how old I am. I guess <laughs> friends. All right. Favorite city to visit. Um. Well, I'll I'll do one that um is like would probably be like a fan favorite given the type of people who listen to your podcast. Um, Quebec City. Oh, nice. Are you a poutine person? Do you like poutine? I, I already told you how much I love cheese. So <laughs> and my favorite thing, uh, last time I was in Quebec City, one of my favorite things that I reference often happened, which I don't know if it's like unique to Quebec City or if it was just like a random moment, but um, there was like these group. there were actually in multiple places, these people who were like giving out free hugs. They had like signs, oh, yeah. free, free hugs. Um, I love that. So, um, yeah, that made the experience sweet. Patty? Was it your poutine? Was that, was that a question? No, that was just, that was oh, a follow-up for I the I love poutine. No. I love poutine. <laughs> no, because I, I asked favorite city to visit, so I think you're up. Oh, the power oh yeah, right, yeah, okay. Um, you are a proud Wolverine. Yes. And your big M had a huge victory this past weekend. Um, who who is your favorite member of the Fab Five? Oh, um, well, it's before my time, so it would be unfair for me to sort of like attach to any of them. I'll I'll not answer your question directly, and instead, like just because. He was, he was so pivotal in my college years. Charles Woodson was like my favorite. Um, I was in, I was at Michigan when Tom Brady was there um, and was a huge Michigan football fan. Um, and now um, of course, love that Juwan is coaching the team. So yeah. maybe I would say him. There you go. All right, last round. Can Michigan win the, the national championship? They're probably going to be in the top four. Well, we'll know when this drops. So are, are they going to finally get it done and win the title this year? Oh, um, I, I hate to, I'm like a under promise over deliverer in life. That's like <laughs> one of my fundamental tenets in, in, in my uh, character. Um, but I have to say, yes. I mean, I feel like they're just having a great season uh, watching Haskins have, what did he have? Like five touchdowns? Yeah, five, yeah. Touches in with like, he, I think he had like four, three or four sacks. Like 
they just have so their team is so great, but really like my favorite thing about the team right now, um, is of course coach Harbaugh who has managed to go from like most hated in Michigan right now to Mm -hmm. most loved in like one minute. Um, and really all he did was like get himself healthy, refocus on the right priorities. And, um, I don't know, he's like a different person and it's showing up with his team. So for me, that's like a good, uh, leadership lesson for, for all of us, which is like, I think for a lot of us who are quite intense, I definitely raise my hand, like probably too intense balance in life and perspective actually could make you probably more effective in your job than we all realize. So, um, I'm super proud of him for sort of reassessing himself and realizing what he was doing wasn't working and showing up now. And he's like killed it this week with his announcement that he's giving his bonuses to employees who didn't get paid in COVID. I'm like, Jim, (laughs) like who is your personal coach right now? Like they're like killing it right now. So um, I'm very happy for him. Uh, All right. Last one. And this one might be the toughest one of them all. Um, Would you rather have a mullet or shave your son's mullet? (laughs) <laughs> oh my god are you kidding I'm, and I'm sorry this is actually I've now like gone from being a fan fave with Quebec City to like probably most hated guest on your podcast but I have no problem with players having mullets like to each his own it's all good I actually think it's kind of cool like from a distance <laughs> no offense my son's mullet is like my personal plight I've bribed him to cut it. I actually, in his last haircut two weeks ago or a few weeks ago, I offered to pay him literally a hundred dollars to cut his mullet. And he said no. Um, So I am just like dying to get him to cut his mullet, but he won't do it. He's had it since he's like five. And I think he's going to have it for a very long time, possibly just to spite me. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> all right that's the power play appreciate that jessica that was a lot of fun uh pat you got one more yeah just quickly um and this kind of kind of popped up in the last 24 hours or so but you know we just found out that we kind of you know dodged a, a disaster situation uh in georgia where there was about 22 players from canada that were originally uh denied their p1a visas um but after, um, you know, a 10 day grace period um, and a lot of workings through the Arladas and, and the league, everything kind of went through. So just wanted to see if there was more, you know, backstory to that. And are all the other teams that you know of all ready to go uh, come this weekend when it comes to some visas? Yeah, everybody's ready to go, thankfully. Um, just give like a, a knock on the <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I would say, you know, nobody would like to hear this answer, but these things happen. Um, you know, even right. in my days at the NHL, um, there were things that never sort of got out to the media of, you know, denials or issues at the border with people who would like really shock you, like really top notch athletes. Um, you know, we have a system where people are adjudicating petitions who really maybe don't know sports or aren't familiar and they ask follow-up questions. They don't really appreciate the urgency or the, the significance of it, like what it actually means. Um, and 
you know, the, I think USCIS has done a good job of having most of those petitions now adjudicated by people who are in like a sports division, but you don't always get a sign there. So sometimes it's a little bit more of an education process. Um, try to have like compassion and empathy for people who are just trying to do their job. Of course, like those are very sort of scary moments. And um, thankfully we're in a good place for this weekend and definitely looking at how we can make sure we don't find ourselves in that situation again in the future, because no one wants to be dealing with that a week before the season starts. But um, yeah, I, you know, I call those things like how the sausage gets made. Like, you know, <laughs> most people don't have to think about like what it took to get from point A to point B. There's a lot in that sausage making that's like not so pretty. Uh, you hope you get those things sorted out without anybody having to like know about it or find out about it, or at least before it really becomes an issue. And thankfully, everything worked out. Um, I got two more for you. We'll keep it quick because I know you're, you are a very busy woman. Uh, we were talking the other week on the show as we were seeing all these players getting released and, and some of them are rookies that, that have just been drafted. Has there been talk, and this is something that continually comes up, with, with the ALL sort of being a quote-unquote farm system for the NLL, is there a way that we can help these teams protect some of their rookies with all these double draft classes coming in and saying, okay, we're going to release you to the ALL and you'll go play for them, but we're still going to retain your rights. And if you play a whole season in the ALL, we still have your rights. But if you come up with us, then you're with us. Is that something that like I'm seeing a lot of these young kids who are getting drafted, but they're getting released. And sure, some of them are getting picked up by other teams real quick, but other kids aren't. And they're kind of stuck there. And I see you writing in your notepad again. So obviously this is something <laughs> that's going to be talked about. But I, I just think that there has to be a way that we can keep these kids a, a part of franchise. Like, you know, the New York Islanders drafted kid. He's not going to make their A team. They're going to go to the AHL team, but he's still part of their system, still part of their franchise. In the NLL, we don't have that. Is, is this something that kind of needs to be worked on to, to keep these kids involved in the National Lacrosse League? Well, it would have to be collectively bargained. Right, of course. Um, and I, one of the areas that I was responsible for sort of revamping during my years of the NHL was their reserve system, mm -hmm. um, mostly related to college, but, uh, even beyond that. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it's something to definitely think about, um, from a player development standpoint. Um, it, it is something we're all thinking about looking at, obviously Brian Lemon, you yeah. know, this is his job to think about like every minute of every day. And <laughs> he, he and I, and Max tour work really closely on player pipeline strategy and you know of course they're like the lacrosse ops people yeah um and i try to help inform on the bargaining side and you know together hopefully we get to the best possible place for for the league to make sure to your point that uh the nll remains sort of like the the pie in the sky the the top of the pyramid for these yeah. guys so they can continue to aspire to play in our league because as we continue to grow we need to make sure we have sufficient player pool to be able to support our teams absolutely um cba uh players opted out conversations going how are they and obviously you can't get into specifics but how are those conversations in the early stages yeah i mean listen i think um the union opting out, I'm um, sure you saw, we, we actually issued a joint statement. Um, unlike most of my history of labor relations and bargaining, um, you know, them opting out, you know, wasn't a sort of like 
uh, we're going to fight now. Um, we have a great relationship. Um, super impressed, really, like genuinely super impressed with uh, Zach Courier and Reed Reinhold. Um, their work ethic, their responsiveness, their understanding of the issues, their willingness to engage in discussion, to understand our perspective, to articulate and share their perspective. Um, despite the fact that we haven't locked in a long-term CBA, I feel like uh, particularly with all of the curveballs we've had in COVID, we've been able to accomplish a lot, like a lot. Um, you know, another reference to the, how the sausage gets made, probably a lot of that, like people don't ever really see. Um, but we've had countless, like countless side letter agreements over the last uh, year plus uh, between us and the union resolving potential disputes that would have otherwise taken up time and money and litigation or grievances um, by working proactively and collaboratively. And um, I'm really thankful to have them as good partners. And, uh, you know, once we get the season launched, we'll sort of resume our longer term collective bargaining discussions. Right. Um, but yeah, they've been great to work with. We uh, have a standing Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. meeting every single week since they've been at the union. I don't think we've missed a week since then. And um, we use that as an opportunity to raise any questions or issues and make sure we work through it being solution oriented. So um, I feel very fortunate. I've seen the full spectrum of labor relationships. <laughs> and we, we have a great one. So um, I'm confident that we'll approach it reasonably rationally and figure out solution. All right, last one for you. Um, when we were doing the draft, we were all supposed to, also supposed to do the NLL Hall of Fame. Um, that was going to be a monumentous moment for the league and, and its history. Um, do we have a, a tentative idea of when we might do that again? Not, uh, not one that I'm sort of that's been vetted enough for me to share. Um, but it is on the radar. It is yeah. something we're talking about. Um, and I'm sure you know the reason we had to punt it was really mostly at that time, just really unfortunate timing from yeah. a COVID perspective. Um, just the location being in Buffalo, the land border being closed. Like it, we were just like, I don't know, two months too soon, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's going to happen. It yeah. will happen. Um, and, you know, we owe it to the class uh, to celebrate their contributions to the game. And I think it'll be, uh, welcomed opportunity for everyone to be together in person, which I think we're all craving. Certainly I am, um, uh, particularly for me, like my two, I've been at the NLL for two years, but I haven't really had a chance to spend much time with people in person. Um, yeah. and so I'm, I personally would welcome the chance to meet those who have laid the groundwork for our game. So, um, it will happen. We just have to figure out the right time. Well, you're currently laying the groundwork for the future of our game. Jessica, we appreciate your time as always. Uh, happy Hanukkah. Uh, enjoy uh, the holiday season and enjoy New York. Uh, Riptide home opener this weekend. I'm sure we'll see you at a game soon. But again, thanks for your time. We appreciate you as always. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be with you. I was kind of surprised she didn't have a favorite Fab Five member, but I'm glad she picked Juwan Howard because that's not what I would have expected. I think that was her being political and not mm -hmm. wanting to choose yeah, one. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, do you think they can win it all?
side bet? No, I don't know if this is my Notre Dame bias sticking out. I don't, I don't think so. It's a great story. It's good for college football. I don't think they have it to be quite honest. I don't think anyone is nearly as good as Georgia. I think whoever they play in that, that final, um, I think Georgia is going to win easily. With that being said, I just said that I bet you Bama probably beats them this, <laughs> this weekend in the SEC final and all chaos will, will ensue. Time to get educated on where to put your money. It's box bets time. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> time now for box bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. Um, may the odds be ever in your favor. All right, so we teased it last week. Uh, we do have a boosted parlay thanks to Pat and the crew over at uh, coolbet.ca. No, coolbet.com. coolbet.com. Oh, yep, you got it. You got it. Um, but we are going to give you uh, our three, at least three picks for this week. We're going to give you a money line, a spread, and an over-under, and then maybe just a couple side bets that are kind of year-long uh, props, future bets, and then uh, we'll give you the boosted parlay. So um, money line, uh, I got Vancouver over San Diego at plus 264. And I know we just talked about it, how good that offense is, a new revamped defense and Alex Bouquet between the pipes. I just kind of have a feeling they go down to San Diego and steal one. I don't want to give away any picks, but you might be seeing Vancouver later on my board. I'll just say oh, that. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, what's your money um, line? My money line is I'm going with some value here as well. Colorado Mammoth plus 110. That is ridiculous. Uh, at the Georgia Swarm. And I think Georgia's getting a lot of respect here because of what they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Colorado, with that defense, with the goaltender in between the pipes, Dylan Ward, you ever heard of him? Um, and a pretty good offense to boot. And Georgia Swarm has a lot of turnover. We mentioned how I think uh, some familiarity is going to go a long way um, at the start. Well, also teams that don't have a lot, and that seems to be Georgia right now. Um, I'm just going with the value here. Give me the mammoth on the money line. Uh, what was it? Plus 110? Plus 110. All right. I got you. Uh, Spread, uh, what do you got? Spread, Vancouver Warriors. Like you said, I'm a little bit of a coward here. I'm not taking the 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 juicy 264 on the money line. I'm going to take them, but at plus two and a half at plus 100. So some still some value while you're catching uh, a goal and a half. So if you're not too familiar with betting here, all Vancouver has to do is not lose by three goals if they keep it within two your bet cashes and at plus 100 if you bet 10 you win 10 you bet 100 you get 100 you bet 50 you get it's even money so you're getting even money here um seems way too good to be true if you like them on the money line i feel even more confident that they're going to keep this as a close game good to know my friend uh i'm going to Go um, Rochester against New York. They're going to beat the Riptide, or they don't even have to beat the Riptide. What do they do? Because they're minus. Yes. Oh, see, this is why I have you. I'm learning here. They're <laughs> plus 147 
but they're Gotta minus by two one goals. and a half. Yes. So I have a feeling, and I just I'm not sold on Stephen Orleman. I'm not sold on Goa Abrams. They can put up a lot of goals. I just do not think they will be able to keep enough out and like Rochester to get the job done and take it by at least two goals because that's what minus one and a half means. I learned that today. There you go. And at plus 147, that's a ton of value there as well. So I like that. Um, and another thing with with that Rochester, I mean, sorry, with it being one and a half, it's a one goal game, empty net. You might get an empty net goal there. So, and then that's where you get to get the cash. So it'll be a little bit of a sweat, but is there, a, um, is there an empty net prop bet? There, there isn't right now, but I think that's something we can look into. Yeah, that prop bet. Uh, all right. Uh, over under, I got Toronto, Albany. I think you do too. Under 21 at minus 106. Nick Rose, Doug Jameson, goals will be at a premium. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think our higher ups at TSN are probably kicking us right now <laughs> saying, why are you guys asking for, for no goals? We should be betting the over here because we want it to be an exciting game. Well, you know what? It can still be an exciting oh, game. If you ever watched a under. classic 7-6 lacrosse game, you know low scoring can be unbelievable. Exactly. And you said it. Nick Rose, Dougie Jamison, these two defenses – Start of the season. Uh, I think we see a low scoring game here. It's going to be an entertaining game. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a close game, but I like it. I'm going with the under as well. Uh, okay. I got two more uh, futures. I got wings plus 80 to win it all and mammoth plus 2,400 to win the West. There you go. I like that. I like, right. I like that a lot. Well, I mean, well, I'll just throw this out here now. I, I had the wings as well at plus 850. I think that is, uh, I think there's a ton of value. We already talked um, a lot about them. Uh, and I believe last week I gave out the Calgary Roughnecks mm. um, as a, a long money line sprinkle. Um, so I'm going to go with something that has a little bit of shorter um, odds here. Um, and I'm going to say the Saskatchewan Rush plus 280 just to reach the final of the NLL cup. So all they got to do is win the West. And um, I don't think there's a team that is nearly as well-rounded in the West as the Saskatchewan rush. We talked about the uncertainty in the goaltending, but I have so much faith in that front office, in that coaching staff uh, and the veterans that are leading there that at minimum, they're going to make that, that final, whether a team Uh, from the East knocks them off, who knows, but they're getting to that final. Uh, it would be what the ninth straight year that they've won the West regular season title. If they were to do crazy. that, yeah. crazy, uh, boost the parlay, my man boosted odds parlay. So if you go to coolbet.com, go to the sidebar and also you'll notice on the sidebar, you don't have to look up lacrosse anymore. We've got it right there by the popular hot tabs, the NLL there. But if you keep going down, boosted odd parlay, you'll see the off the crossbar boosted odds parlay mammoth money line wings money line bandits money line i believe it was plus 3 375 yeah, i think that's what you said 375 and the fine the fine folks at coolbet boosted that up to plus 450 so oh, the mammoth cool. the wings and the bandits all they have to do is win 
doesn't matter if it's by a billion or if it's by one or if it's in overtime. If those three teams win this weekend, plus 450, you win your parlay. So plus 450, of course, if you throw down 10, you're getting 55 back. Um, so, or sorry, 45, your total winnings will be 55. So um, go there. And of course, if you are a first time user of CoolBet, Make sure to use that deposit code OTCB and we will double your deposit up to $200 Canadian. That's OTCB when you sign up and use your first deposit. That was box bets. Um, Now we're going to get into some just stupid predictions Um, and many will probably be wrong. Some will be right because there's some kind of no brainers, I guess. Um, your pick to win it all. Well, first of all, who's going to be in the final? Um, this is boring and it sucks, but I already said the one, uh, Saskatchewan, and yep. the other team pays me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the other team, I do honestly. I think, I think they have a, a a really strong team, the Halifax Thunderbirds. I think it's going to be a rematch of what we see this weekend. Um, I'm going to say Halifax Thunderbirds and Saskatchewan in the finals. Um, on paper, I think they're the best two teams. And I think once things get going, they're going to be the best two teams on the floor. And who wins it? I'm going to go with the Thunderbirds. Ooh. Unfinished business. I think they they finished their business finally. How about yourself? Uh, I'm going to say Philly, Colorado final. Ooh. With um, Colorado Mammoth winning at home. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I could see that. And that's the thing. There's so many teams. You I could, could see put up, I could have said anything. You probably would have agreed with me. Yeah. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Um, all right. Player awards. Um, this is all very subjective, um, but I both, we can say the cyborg wins MVP. Yeah. And, um, and de- defensive player of the year. And de- yeah. And defensive player. of the year. Okay. Perfect. We got the easy ones out of the way. Uh, who's your goalie of the year? There's a few that I had 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 in mind, but I'm going to go with Warren Hill. And if I think that Halifax is going to win a championship or if I think they're going to make a deep run, at least Warren Hill is going to have to be a, a key contributor there. He's a guy that everyone talks about, oh, breakout season last year. Well, if you actually look back to the half season before that, uh, when he picked up for Angus Goodleaf in between the pipes. Mm-hmm. He was tremendous. He had unbelievable numbers. So it's not that small of a sample size, um, but he's proving that he is one of the best young goaltenders in this league. And I think he's about to prove that he's one of the best goaltenders in this league. Um, I know earlier I said the team that wins is going to probably have the goaltender of the year, um, but, and I'm kind of, th- this is the team that I think is going to lose in the East final. Um, but I think Matt Vince wins goalie of the year unprecedentedly wins his what seventh. Wow. Goal yeah. of the year. I mean, that um, would cement him being the best goaltender of all time. I think it would be, I, 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 I have a really good feeling. I, I just don't know. Like, I don't want to keep rambling on about this, but like we all talk, you know, Toronto's going to be good. Halifax is going to be good. Philly's going to be good. Saskatchewan. We just never really talk about Buffalo and that offense just continually gets better. And no matter how old Matt, Matt Vince is, he's going to be a top five goaltender every year. So I just, I, I want to see him go out in a blaze of glory. 
win another goalie of the year, drop the stick at center and just walk off and retire. But <laughs> I don't, I don't think that part will happen. Um, so rookie either. of the year. One Jeff Teat. And I don't think I have to explain myself, but I think you have some explaining to do. <laughs> I don't want to give away what I okay. say on coast to coast, but obviously we're teasing it now. Um, I am one. I'm not a teat hater, nor am I a doubter. The kid is. There's no such thing as a teat. There's no such thing as a teat doubter. No one doubts him. No one doubts him. However, I don't think he wins rookie of the year this year. Double class. There are going to be 19 first rounders making active rosters this year. And it is going to be one of the best rookie classes of all time. And I'm going to go ahead and put my money down. Maybe not. But I'm going to go ahead and say that Adam Charlambides wins Rookie of the Year. Wow, wow. I mean, I think if it's any other year where, where Jeff Teed isn't there, I, I think that's a, that's a great pick. And, I mean, it's still possible. I'm not doubting it. It's just every time I've seen Jeff Teed go into a new league, he's immediately become the best rookie, and he's also been – one of the best players in the league. I know. And I, and I think he's actually, I don't know if he's going to be a top three candidate for MVP. Wouldn't surprise me if he did, yeah, wouldn't surprise but me. he's, he's going to get some votes. He's going yeah. to get some votes this year as an MVP. There's no doubt. Uh, and I, I get your line of thinking. Yeah. But I, I just can't, I can't do it. I just want to be it. one of those people who goes off the wall on that one. Uh, transition player You're of off the, the year. wall. All right. This one could be, uh, maybe the most hotly contested award of the year, besides maybe goaltender, and depending on what happens, rookie of the year. But transition player of the year, I'm going to go with a guy that has been waiting for this for a while, and Zach Courier. Bingo. That's my pick, got? too. And I, I, I totally agree. I, I think totally thought you would have said Challenge. I, I think Challenge the easy answer, and I think, obviously, he's going to be yep, in that conversation. Yeah, the easy answer, damn it. <laughs> it's the smart answer. Oh, right. Sorry. But Courier should have probably won one already. It's just he's it's such a tough, tough award. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think this year, especially with some of the turnover that they have on that back end, I think he's gonna have to play more of a prominent role if that's even possible. possible yeah. Um but I think this is also maybe I don't. Is there such thing as challenge Rogers fatigue? I don't think so. I think I think te- I think people are going to still vote for him. But I just think that he deserves to be once again up for it. And I think just the fact that he continues to be up for it, he continues to prove that he's one of the best overall players in the league. That he deserves he deserves one. And I think this is the year he gets it done. Head coach, you got same team. Kurt Miloski. Ooh. So there's a lot of of coaches I think that could get this. I think I think Mike Kersey is one that would certainly not surprise me. Dan Latasor, I think if he can get that Riptide team into the postseason. Um, but for me, I think if Calgary is going to make the postseason. It's going to be because of Chris Nelbianco being an elite goaltender. And I think it's going to be Kurt Miloski getting the most out of his young players that he's put on this roster. Hard to agree with you, but I will stay out West. 
And I will say Chris Gill. Really? I like that. Vancouver. We talk about this offense being scary good. Uh, We talk about their defense being much improved. And if Bouquet can give them the minutes that allows them to win 10 games. Right. And they make the playoffs. And and as a non-wild card team, I think it's a huge, huge boost for that organization to have gone to where they have been to where they are now. And I, I think he can do it. I, I think with Caleb Toth running his front door, um, this is a team that's going to turn some heads. So I got Gilly uh, winning head coach. Um, final award we will do, uh, GM of the year. Kurt Styers. And I think this is a guy that saw he had a potential championship roster and went out there and made sure that, you know, it wasn't just a fluke adding David Brock, you know, going out, having a great draft class, bringing in guys like Ryan Tarafanko, um, you know, adding Tyson Bell, um, going Steph out, LeBlanc. grabbing Reese Dutch, Reese Steph Dutch. LeBlanc, um, you know, really bolstering this roster and not having the complacency saying, you know, we were super close. Um, let's, you know, run this back. Yes, they're still running this back, um, but any sort of weakness that they did have, um, they filled it, and if they had any strength, they went out and made it even stronger. Um, all right. Uh, we got all this written down. It is forever etched in stone. Wait, who'd you, um, get, who'd you take for GM? Oh, sorry. I agree with you, Kurt Stiers. Beautiful. All right. Um, so those are awards. We will uh, reconvene on this uh, piece of paper in seven months' time or whenever those awards get done. Um, who knows? Maybe the same night we do the uh, National Cross League Hall of Fame. No one knows. There you go. Knows? Uh, TSN Game of the Week. It'll be myself, Brad Chowner, and and Angela. Ashley Docking uh, bringing you Albany, Toronto from First Ontario Center in lovely Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, super stoked. Pat, you are going to be working games along with John Abbott and Docking. Chantel Chan will join Brad and myself on the West. Um, this is pretty cool uh, for everybody involved, but the game of the week is obviously going to be the marquee matchup. You will be in Halifax for the Thunderbirds and Rush. Um, what's your game of the week, though? What do you think is going to be the best game of the weekend? Oh, boy. I We talked about it. Obviously, I think Halifax, Saskatchewan is going to be incredible. Two teams that I think near the end of the year, they're going to be the ones, you know, fighting for, for a championship. The game you're at, obviously, huge as well. But this, I'm going to say those are probably 1A, 1B, but the sneaky game for me is Buffalo-Calgary. Yeah. Rematch from last time the Champions Cup was awarded. Or sorry, it was the Champions Cup then. Or no, it was the NLL Cup back then too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. NLL Cup. But no one seems to be talking about that game for some reason. No, I don't, I don't that's know. That's my game. That's my game to watch too. Like, I don't know why people aren't talking about this. Like Buffalo, you mentioned it. That electrifying offense, Calgary, a team that is a championship defending team, but no one's talking about them. Everyone's already writing them off. That's yeah. a game that I'm excited to watch. Um, but shout out to the schedule makers. A lot of good games this week. Yeah, every every team plays this week, which is fantastic. Uh 
originally. I don't think Philadelphia was supposed to play, but uh, they moved some things around and made it happen. Uh, I agree with you. Buffalo Calgary is my game to watch, even though I'll be watching live in person, uh, bringing you Toronto and Albany again, tsn.ca, tsn direct, tsn app, uh, and on your TV, seven o'clock face off. I believe it's TSN three and TSN four is where I saw it. Um, but if you have cable, if you have TSN in your cable package, you get TSN direct. It's just on your computer. You can look it up and you can get all the games streamed on your phone. All the games will be there. You can watch them in real time. You can watch them archived. Uh, it will be everything you always hoped it would be. Um, two more questions. Who pulls the upset? Will it be Panther City or the New York Riptide? I don't even think that's an upset game, is it? Well, York, I mean, New if York, you, Rochester, if you, maybe. If you look at the odds, yes, it is. Yes, so it is. Technically, I, yes. Who pulls the upset? I'll, Panther City I'll, or New York? I'll say New York. Um, I I think I agree with you, though. I think that uh, it's tough to compare the two because one's a, a brand new team going up a potential championship caliber team. Two teams that were near the bottom last year in Rochester and New York, but uh, if I had to pick, uh, I'd go Riptide. Love it. Um, what about you? Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I Again, I'm just not sold on the goaltending um, in New York. So based on that, if Nick Mood can have a night and Patty Dodds goes off, sure, Panther City could pull it off. Who knows? It would it would burn down that stadium in Philadelphia, though, if it happened. <laughs> All day coming off a GM coach of the year award year and first game back lose the Panther city. That'd be tough one. Um, Final one. Who needs to win the most on opening weekend? Ooh, Teddy, that is a great question. Like which team needs to start the season one and oh, I would have to say Rochester. Because they're playing a team in, in the Riptide who they'll be battling for, you know, relevancy, potentially battling for that last playoff spot. And I think if they lose to the Riptide in the opening weekend, they're going to be, you know, starting to, they've already dug themselves a little mini hole there. Um, I think they're a team that that they believe that, all the changes that they made in the offseason, there's no reason why they shouldn't be competing for a playoff spot next uh, this year. So why shouldn't they be, be beating a team in, in the Riptide? But you could flip it the other way. The Riptide are probably also feeling the same way about Rochester. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say that it was Rochester as well because – you bring in Coatsy, you bring in Kirk, you know, you bring in, you get Ryan Smith in the draft. Like you have a lot of high hopes. Things are moving forward. But I think the most important one, and it goes against my money line bet, is for San Diego to get a win. Um, you know, they lose Austin Sots, they bring in Dane Doby. Um, you know, Steve Govick kind of continually preached to me this was going to be like Seals 2.0, the relaunch after, you know, the shortened season. If they can get a win in that first game against a divisional opponent in Vancouver and just start the momentum, I think that is going to be huge because that is a team that has championship aspirations. And if it is going to be Brody Merrill's last year, I think everyone is going to want to win a championship for Brody. It's one thing missing from his cabinet 
is a national lacrosse league championship. And I think for their confidence and everything they're doing moving forward, a win in week one is of the utmost importance. Beautifully said, Teddy. Hey, thanks, Pat. Um, When are you off to Halifax? Fly out bright and early on Friday morning. So got the uh, 7.30 flight with Pete Dalladay and myself. We're actually not traveling with the team um, for the first time in a while. I think the team's flying out um, Thursday night. Um, team bonding during the day. Yeah, Team bonding. I believe they're, they've got a, they've got a team dinner, I think on the Thursday night, um, practice on Friday night. So, um, really welcoming in the team on opening weekend. And, uh, when do you get out? uh, Uh, I I got, I got, uh, this is uh, is why I kind of brought this up. I wanted to ask you. So I fly first thing Friday morning at like seven, connect through Vancouver, get to Toronto at four 30, Pat. Where do I have to go from Toronto? You, so wait, you get? I get into Toronto at four thirty, and I have to drive to Hamilton. So you, they, so you're getting a a car, and you have to drive from yeah. from the airport to Hamilton. Yeah, I'm not complaining Four. the fact that I have to drive. I'm not complaining that they're flying me to Toronto. I'm not complaining that they have gotten me a car. I'm complaining that I have to drive in QEW rush hour traffic. Yeah, four thirty on a Friday. That's how long is so that going to take me? You should be able to get there for second warm up on <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> say that. Like, like normally, how long of a drive is that? Like without traffic, like on a good day, what's that? Like a two hour drive? No, not even. Not okay. even. It's not like an hour even. and a bit. Yeah, probably an hour. Not even forty five minutes. From Etobicoke to Hamilton's about an hour. Yeah, so, yeah, forty five minutes. I'd say uh, on on a Friday afternoon, where it could be who knows what kind of weather. Is it going to take me like three hours? No, I'll probably take you two and a half. I don't know. It's still COVID. Like, yeah, actually, um, uh, no, COVID traffic's done. I just looked it up. 37, uh, 39 minutes. So, yeah, 39 minutes. That's without any traffic. So, oh, wow, that's not that bad at all. An hour and a half, an hour and 45, maybe. Oh, at. easy. It's like just driving in, in an IMO. Easy. But then you, you bring up a good point about the weather. Driving through Burlington on the Burlington Bridge with the... Uh, with a snowstorm doesn't sound great. Actually, no, you won't have to go all through the bridge because you're going to Hamilton, so you'll wrap around that way. You'll be fine. You'll be good. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Uh, collect your air miles, fellas. Uh, make sure you've got uh, all of your reward perk cards for your hotels um, and all that good stuff. Pat, this has been awesome as always, my man. Uh, he is Pat Gregoire. You can find him on Twitter, at P. Greggy. I'm Teddy Jenner, at Teddy Jenner, the show, at otcb underscore podcast or on instagram at otcb podcast it is going to be an unbelievable week sit back relax enjoy all of the games and just be thankful that we're finally playing lacrosse pat enjoy your game brother uh, it's going to be a hell of a lacrosse night can't wait buddy best of luck with the tsm game of the week man i've already pbr'd it pbr'd it i can't wait to watch it when i come back oh man well I'll watch you in your Halifax and Pete Dalladay when I get back to my hotel after. And then we can like call each other and critique each other how we did. <laughs> Too much? Too much. I'm uh, uh, maybe just a, little, just, a little, just a little. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.